You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Greetings and salutations, soul sisters. It's Lexis here representing the Singles Ministry of Metro LA. And I am very honored to be here today to share with you what God has been showing me. Um, it's funny because God, God is funny. I had a whole, um, lesson written out that I had taken time to kind of put together. I was going to talk about cleaning out our closet and all of these things. And at 1.30 in the morning, he woke me up uh, and said, yeah, I don't want you to talk about that. We're going to talk about the victory of surrender. And so from 1.30 to 3.30, he just talked to me about some things he wanted me to share with you. So here I am to share them with you today. So before we get started, let's go to God in prayer. Abba, thank you so much for today, for waking us up, for breathing your breath into our bodies, for waking us up in the middle of the night to just spend time with us and talk to us. I know many times when I wake up in the middle of the night, I will toss and turn and I'll look at my phone or go on Facebook or some things, but sometimes you just wake us up to spend time with us in a quiet space. And I'm grateful for that. Thank you for the relationship that you have called me into with you. Um, yes, for being the lover of my soul, for reaching out into the darkness and pulling me into your light. Thank you that you give us grace upon grace upon grace day after day. I just pray that you will speak your words through me. Speak to the people who are listening. Speak to my heart as well. You know what it is that you want to relay today. And I pray that as your vessel, I will relay it clearly and I will soak it in as well. I love you. Is in Jesus name I pray. Amen. So today we are talking about the victory of surrender. And to start talking about that, it's really challenging for me. I grew up a fighter. I come from a long line of fighters. Um, I watched the women in my family fight the different men in their lives. Uh, I grew up around gang members and cliques at school and had to fight my way through high school. And so I am a fighter. So when you talk about surrenderance, it, it kind of makes me cringe to think about surrendering, to feel like I'm getting punked into uh, surrendering to something that I don't desire to do. But with God, it's different. You know, this past year was one of the most challenging years, not just 2020. I'm talking about 2019. And I remember all through 2019 thinking, man, I cannot wait till this year is over. 2019 wanted to go out with a bang. It wanted to, to show that, yeah, you guys are waiting for 2020, but this decade isn't over. And it was a lot of challenges I went through. Little to know that 2020 would be even more special, to say the least. 
So last year, um, actually beginning in 2018, I went through a really challenging time with just different people in my life. Different people were experiencing um, a lot of um, mental health challenges and trauma. And I was involved in it and just trying to help them in the ways that I could. Uh, coming into 2019, I felt overwhelmed by just all aspects of life, work, home, um, family life, friend life, every, every aspect of my life just was overwhelmed. And so as I went through the year, it just continued to get more and more challenging. At the same time that things were going on with me personally, I was also still working with the youth in uh, my nonprofit. And so I'm a program director and case manager for a nonprofit that works with at-risk youth ages 17 to 24. And, and a lot of them had different challenges that I would help get them resources for. And so not only was, was I going through issues at home and in my personal life, but at work, it was challenging too. I had dealt with suicide ideology and trauma and just so many different things. All throughout the year, it was something after something after something. Um, and I was holding on. I was holding on tight, but still pushing through because that's what you do when you're a fighter. You fight through the different challenges in your life and you just move on to the next thing. So around September, I the beginning of September, I had just had enough. I was tired. I wanted to take a vacation. So I booked me a room in Tijuana and just went down there by myself. Yes, single black woman, Tijuana by myself. Um, I was smart, though. I did contact the church down there and they met me at the border and escorted me to my uh, Airbnb. But from there, I spent five days in the room just relaxing, but it, it didn't do it. And I was stressed still throughout that time. I felt anxious when I arrived, like, oh my gosh, I only have four more days until it's time for me to go. I just could not quiet my mind. So after the five days, I came back and I still didn't feel rested. That's when I found out about Drew passing. And, and so Drew and I have a history that goes back into the beginning of me coming to um, LAX. What? Um, he helped do music with us. He created tracks for us. And, you know, I would see him all the time. And so to hear about his passing was very challenging. But I pushed through. So then Sydney passed away and that one hit me deep. Um, Sydney and I go way back. I've been a disciple for 18 years and just to see her over the years, to hear her encouragement, um, people would tell me, you remind me of Sydney. Uh, but it, it was just very challenging and that kind of pushed me over the edge. And so I remember going in for a physical to my doctor and she asked me how I was doing. And I just broke down bawling. And as we talked through the different things that had been going on in my life, she told me that she felt like I had depression. And this, this wasn't new to me. Uh, the first episode of depression I experienced was in 2008. 
Um, I had never experienced it before. Growing up in the community I grew up in, you don't have time for depression. You push through and you just make it to the next thing. We don't even believe in therapy at all. And so when I was diagnosed in 2008, it was challenging to accept that. So now, 11 years later, here I am again having another episode. And this time, though, I felt like, okay, I've dealt with this before. I know what's going on. I went to school for psychology. Um, I have a, uh, a degree in human services, which is partly study of psychology. I'm a substance abuse counselor. I have all of these coping skills and tools, and I teach people and do workshops all the time at work. So I'm good. I'm going to, you know, follow my own recipe and I'll be good. And, and so when she told me that, I said, okay, what do I need to do? So she told me that she would prescribe me medication and I needed to take a break from everything. And so it, it, it was challenging for me to accept that because to me, it felt like I was a failure. I didn't uh, make it through this challenge and through this obstacle. Now I had to sit out on the sideline and it wasn't something that I was comfortable with, but I knew that I was at a place that I just didn't have any more to give. So I ended up taking a sabbatical from work. So initially it started, it was going to be for six weeks. And so I had it all planned out. I started the medication she gave me two weeks before my sabbatical. By the time I would take the sabbatical, then I would go to the next doses, dosage up and I would ride that out for four weeks and I'll be better. That, that was my whole plan. Well, that wasn't the plan God had for me. And so as I was taking this medication, um, I still wasn't getting better. I started seeing a psychiatrist. I started seeing a, a therapist again, but I still didn't feel better. And by the time it got to me to go back to work, and so keep in mind also, my boss encouraged me to take more time off. She encouraged that I do a, um, uh, what do you call it? Short-term disability and just take three months off. Mm -mm, no, that wasn't me. I was going to be back to work in six weeks. So I even told all of my youth, don't worry, I'll be back soon. By the end of that six weeks, I was not better. And I felt more anxiety because now I had to go back to work and I wasn't better. And that caused me to um, go deeper into to depression and have anxiety. So now I'm at home and I have to call my boss and let them know that I have to take the full three months and I apply for short-term disability and just go with that. Uh, it was challenging. There were times that I didn't get out of bed all day. There were times that, you know, I didn't have the motivation to do anything, not just even the motivation, but the energy. It was all I could kind of conjure up to go to the bathroom or to go to the kitchen to get me something to eat or something to drink. And then I would just go and lay back to bed. Um, I did catch up on a lot of my programs during that time. 
but it was challenging. And up until that time, I had fought and fought and fought God in God. I don't understand what's happening. Why am I not getting better? What is going on? What is wrong with me? It wasn't until I really surrendered and accepted where I was that I actually started to get better. And so one of the scriptures I want to share with you um, is about Jacob. Now, Jacob, Jacob comes from a very dysfunctional background. Um, he stole his brother's uh, birthright because his mom tricked him into going into the dad's room to uh, pretend he was Esau from the very beginning, though, even in the womb, he was grabbing at Esau's foot. Then even from there, he continued to have dysfunction after dysfunction after dysfunction. I can totally relate. I don't know if anybody else can relate to coming from dysfunctional family, but I'm right up there with Jacob. And so Jacob, he goes through um, his time and he's away from his brother. And I'm going to pick up when he has humbled himself to the point that he is about to go and present him, himself before his brother. In Genesis chapter 32, in verse 22, it says, That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons, and crossed the fort of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. And I totally felt like that. I felt just completely alone. Even though I had my roommate there that was encouraging me, I was so grateful to have Karen there to just encourage me. People would text me, but I felt so very alone in what I was going through. It says, so Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. I appreciate Jacob's spunk because Jacob was not going to let go. He was wrestling with this man. Some uh, versions of the the uh, text talks about how it was an angel. Some say that it was God in the flesh, but Jacob wrestled. He was not given up. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man answered him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. I really appreciate this text. It, to me, it shows that sometimes we have to wrestle with God and even in our wrestling with God to get our own faith, Sometimes we are wounded in that wrestle. And that's how I felt. I felt like I had been wrestling with God so much over so many different things in my life. Being over 40, 
still single, no kids. It was something that I had desired for all of my discipleship. You know, I came into the kingdom thinking that now I'll be able to have the the family of my dreams where there's two parents, there are kids. I don't really think I uh, envisioned the white picket fence, but that was my dream. And here I was 18 years later, still single, no kids and wrestling with God. And I had tried on my own many times. I have been on dating sites and thought, well, at least if they say they're Christians, then I can invite them to church. It all blew up in my face. None of them were real Christians and it didn't go anywhere. And I was always open with people around me, uh, but it was a wrestle. It was a challenge to figure out what's wrong with me? That's how I felt. I saw everybody around me being blessed, but I never felt like it was going to happen for me. And so I wrestled with God. I wrestled with God in my, um, my wanting to study the Bible with my family. My sister was a disciple and chose to go a different route. I've been sharing my faith with my mom from all my 18 years in her battle against alcoholism and just different things. I would wrestle with God like, man, God, help her to just get it. You know, but God sometimes just does things in his own timing and it's not for me to know, but it is a wrestle and it is a struggle. And so here I was laying in bed, wounded from my wrestles with God. Couldn't move, couldn't do anything. And it was around that time that... I don't understand. It was around that time that God really showed me who he was. He really showed me his power. I was laying there one day and I got this idea that I was going to get up and I was going to clean out my closet. Like my whole closet, clean my room, rearrange my room and everything. I hadn't done that in the 10 years that I lived in that place. My room had always been the same. For me, structure meant stability. And so I was good with knowing, knowing where everything was at every single day. I would come in, it would be in the same place. My bed was in the same place, dresser, everything. But I decided... I'm going to change some things. And it was the beginning of my healing. And so I started cleaning out my closet. I got rid of like six trash bags full of things that stuff that I had in there that I don't even remember when I got it. Some of the things in there were from when I first became a disciple. You know, people give you little trinkets and little uh, gifts. I had rocks and um, all type of stuff that I never even use. And so I got rid of it. I donated about six bags of clothes and shoes. Yeah, I had that much stuff packed in my closet. But once I did all of that, I felt so liberated. I felt free. And I was able to come into this new year 
truly a brand new person with a brand new attitude. I had let go of all of those other um, things that I was wrestling with God about. I didn't even, when I went to the New Year's Eve party, I wasn't even caring about meeting any new brothers. Usually when I go to parties, it's like, okay, let's see who the new brothers are that I'm going to meet. This time, I just felt so free. I didn't care who I met. I had such a great time. And little did I know that God was going to bless me with an incredible boyfriend. But it didn't start off that way. It started off with me meeting this brother who was just, I had an amazing conversation with. And it built from there. You know, I remember sisters would tell me all the time, Oh, it'll happen when you least expect it. There was no least expecting it for me. I was looking around every corner, down every street, under every uh, paper on the sidewalk, waiting for it to come. I didn't know how to not look for it because it's something that I desired so much. So I thought, God, it's never going to come because I'm never least thinking about it. But it was during that time that I had just put it out of my mind. I felt so surrendered to God during that time of being bedridden for three months with depression. He took me to a place that just elevated my faith. I couldn't do anything. And he did everything for me. I couldn't fix myself. He made me well. I couldn't get the energy or the motivation to want to do anything. And he was the one that carried me. You know, sometimes I think that God gives us those um, thorns to really keep us relying on him. You know, after Jacob wrestled with God, his, his hip was never the same. He limped away from there. And I can only imagine how for the rest of his life, limping helped him to remember that encounter he had with God. You know, I think about Paul. Paul is one of my heroes in the faith um, in the New Testament. I love Paul. You know, Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 7, it says, because of these surpassingly great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses in insults in hardships in persecutions in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I've had to hold on to this scripture for most of my discipleship. I feel like I'm always struggling against something. I'm always wrestling against something. And it may be that way for the rest of my life. I don't know. But during those times, it's comforting to me to know that when I am weak, 
then I am strong because weakness was never something to boast about in my life growing up. Weakness got you punked by people. But now God says, when you are weak, it's when my power is able to shine through. So I boast in my weaknesses now. In my depression, I share about it with people, the anxiety I've experienced. I share all of those things because people see me on Facebook and they see me having fun and they see my videos and they're like, oh, Alexis is living it up. And I do. I do have fun. But that's only about 25% of my life. People need to see the other parts as well because otherwise they think that you're this Stafford Wives Christian all the time. Oh, I'm so happy. Everything is blessed and highly favored. That's not me. I'm not that one. I go through challenges just like everybody else. Actually, I feel like I go through even more. One of my other favorite scriptures is in... First Corinthian. No, that's not it. I'll come back to that. But for me, I've had to realize and accept I am who I am. For the grace of God, I am who I am. And his grace was not without effect. For I worked harder than all of the others, yet not I, not I but the grace of God who works in me. And it may be like that for the rest of my life. And I may wrestle with God for the rest of my life. But there comes times that I'm able to surrender because of the faith that I have from him, from the wounds that I have, from the thorns that I have. As I limp by, I remember God brought me through that challenging time. As I feel that thorn poke in my side, whether it's from my CR background and I can't go and have fun at some of the parties that other people go to, my struggles with my purity, like whatever it is, that I know that God works best through my weaknesses. I had to get it tattooed on my arm <laughs> so I wouldn't forget because there are times that I forget that. And that old south side of Chicago kind of rears his head a little bit. Like, oh, no, I'm not going to get punked in this situation. And God gently just rubs my little head and pats me on my back and says, sit your little butt down and rest. And so, you know, wherever you are today, know that there is power in surrenderance. There is victory in surrenderance. And you can have that victory too. Thank you for letting me share. You've just listened to the Metro LA podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com.